2: Kia ora, good morning, and welcome to Radio Church this Sunday. My name is Alicia, I'm from Student Christian Movement Otago, an ecumenical group for tertiary students here on campus. Thank you for joining us this morning. Today we'll be looking at the question of what it's like to be wrong and exploring, in addition to that, the fears and the anxiety that can come with that knowing that there is peace and assurance to be found in our faith. Before we get started on the program, I want to thank the folks at Otago Access Radio for making this show possible. Thank you for joining us, and now please enjoy the music as we settle into our morning.
0: Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine Air of salvation, purchase of God Honor His spirit, washed in His blood Perfect submission Perfect delight Visions of rapture Now burst on my sight Angels descending Bring from above Echoes of mercy Praising my Savior all the day long. Then complete a show.
2: Reflecting on the theology of being wrong, I'm reading from the devotional from Shannon Casey called On Being Wrong. I warn my students that at my very best, 80% of my theology is correct, 20% is wrong. The problem is, I'm not sure which is the 80% and which isn't, by Leonard Sweet. In Catherine Schulz's 2011 TED talk on being wrong, she begins with the premise that in general, in an abstract sense, we all understand that we could be wrong. We are even occasionally willing to admit that we have been wrong in the past. After all, everybody makes mistakes, right? We're human, we're fallible. As her audience agrees to this, she then asks, what does it feel like to be wrong? They give predictable answers. Dreadful, Thumbs down, embarrassing. That makes sense, we think. Nobody enjoys being wrong. But then there's a twist. Shills points out, you're all answering the question, how does it feel to realise you're wrong? Being wrong feels like being right. Being wrong feels like being right. This conclusion is pretty humbling. If being wrong feels exactly like being right, Chances are we're probably all wrong about something we believe right now. Maybe we're even wrong about something we feel pretty certain about. When we're open to considering that we might be wrong about some of the things we believe, we are placing ourselves in a position from which we can grow. People generally resist change, and resisting a change in one's beliefs is no exception. But if I still believed everything today in exactly the same way I believed it 10 years ago, it would be disappointing. I want to learn. I want to grow. As Lena Sweet suggests in the quote above, no one gets everything right when it comes to theology. Therefore, admitting that we might be wrong can be a helpful first step as we enter into conversations about God, the Bible, and the myriad of topics that intersect with our spirituality. When we are able to come to the table with a posture of humility and curiosity, we can have much more productive and respectful conversations about potentially contentious topics. When we deal with questions around faith, I think the reason the question of, am I wrong?, Am I wrong? Am I wrong about this? About what I believe? So the reason it's so scary is because being wrong is equivalent to a sin. And in many Christian doctrines, we start to see sin as this clear cut line between being right or being wrong. And if you can't, and there's no middle ground. So if you're wrong, then you're sinning. I don't think that. The Bible makes it this clear. There's certainly contradictions that we read. There's grey areas, there's confusing passages that don't provide a clear-cut roadmap. Maybe the Bible is not meant to be read as this clear-cut roadmap. And maybe our theology isn't meant to be this clear-cut roadmap. If asking questions or searching for these different answers, then it doesn't seem to be wrong with the way that Jesus responds. However, in saying this, this isn't to say that asking questions is easy. I think because of a lot of the theology that we grow up with, the... Messages we receive in church and in maybe larger messaging around us. The simple act of asking questions opens the doors for a lot of doubt and anxiety and worry. But I invite you to start to see these questions not as a part of sin, not as something to avoid and be afraid of more as a tool to push us closer to God, to push us closer to the truth.
3: To have you come so. and not we'll give it. Bend into cream worshipping through the tears on my face I sing for joy in a mystery
2: A reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. As we hear in Matthew 7, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Therefore, by the fruits you will know them. I chose this first because I think when we are in the stage of questioning when we are struggling with what we know and what we don't know and this whole new world opens up it can be very overwhelming and we may not know what's right what's wrong and trying to work that out but I think one of the ideas to keep in mind is how we know about the consequences. Can it, How do we trace the consequences from the idea, the theology, and to the consequence it has on real people's lives? If it's good theology, it produces good th- good fruits. If it's bad theology, then it produces bad consequences. So it's not so much about getting it right or getting it wrong. It's how do we see... This idea in action in our world. What are the consequences to that? Being wrong can be a scary thing to explore. Changing our views and changing the ways we see the world. And our place in it. But it can also open up much more creativity and curiosity in us. Which leads us to not assume what where the good fruits are. But to look and to see and to question it where we don't see it. I hope that when we keep this in mind that the goal isn't to be right or wrong and to have all the answers but rather the goal is to question and continue asking and and exploring what we know and what we don't know will be much more open to understanding not only our view of the world, but also understanding the view of others and how they experience God and how we experience God. If we think of God as the, as everyone, as the image of God, that we are all created in the image of God, then we must see a reflection of God in some way in everyone. So when we're open to new ideas, when we're open to exploring how other people experience God, what other people's theologies are, we may be able to see a little bit more of God in our world. Being devoured by the ravenous wolves, as Matthew states in the verse is really about when we're led astray by the bad fruits and how do we know if they're bad fruits Well if they lead to bad consequences and produce actions that are not fruitful in our lives. I think this can open up the ideas that to seek the good fruits we need to be open and be curious because often our Questions come when what we see as the consequences do not align with what we believe. In this way, learning from the world and seeing the consequences is not contradictory to the gospel, it's not contradictory to our Christian faith, but rather enhances it. It leads us to curiosity about God, drawing us closer rather than staying in one place with certainty. When we think of the confusion that questions can take, but also the assurance we have in our Christian faith, I just want to read this poem called The Upside Down about working through those questions. The beams of the cathedral ceiling look like ribs of an upturned lifeboat providing protection from elemental fury. God, when the church becomes a life-denying canopy, insulating us from the full beauty and passion of your love, overturn us that we may sail boldly on the waters of questing faith. Bring. Thank you for joining us for Radio Church this morning. My name's Alicia. I'm from ECM, Otago. And today I just want to finish up with a prayer for wanderers. God of the seekers and dreamers, the disaffected and disillusioned, the worn out and burnt out, the rejected and leavers. We ask for blessings as we travel, as we doubt, as we meander, We ask for the grace to leave when necessary, to come home when we can, to create new homes when we need to. We ask for protection of our souls from those who don't understand, who judge, who mock. We ask for the fortitude to undertake the journey, even when it's scary, or maybe especially when it's scary. We know that as we wander, we are not alone. And as Tolkien says, that not all who wander are lost. We know that sometimes we have to leave the confines of what we knew to see the truth, to hear your voice, to find out what to do next. We pray you lead us where we need to go, by whatever route it takes. We pray for new ways to see you, to understand new ways of being in the world. We pray for healing and for redemption, and where possible, reconciliation. We pray for all those so we can know wholeness, know our bodies, know each other, know you, and be found. Amen. Ka ano. Thank you for joining us this morning at Radio Church. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday, and enjoy the rest of the week. Be blessed. Amen.